Father, we thank you that that is just true. In Christ, we are not who we used to be. In Christ, we can shake off the bondage and heavy chains and the sin that so easily ensnares. Oh, Father, and run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy before him endured the cross and scorned its shame and is now seated at the right hand of God. What a glorious truth. And so, Father, I pray now that as we open your word, Father, I pray that every eye would be attentive and ear and heart and mind to what you would say to your church this morning. Father, we have nothing without you. Without you, all these are a bunch of words. But Spirit of the living God, I pray you would continue to fall fresh upon us in this place and have your way. Give us teachable, humble hearts, God. Not, don't let our pride rear its ugly head and reject the word that you would have for us this morning. I pray that every person here, every child in Harvest Kids, every teacher and helper Father would encounter the living God and leave here changed, a different person than when we came in here this morning. This is only possible by your spirit. Thank you that we get to proclaim right now, oh God, the greatest truth of all time. So would you come and have your way? Be with my mouth. Let not one word be uttered that is not of you. And may your name be exalted, the name of Jesus Christ. This morning, in Jesus' name, if you agree, church, say amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord. What a, what a beautiful song that was that Phil just sang for us. I pray that would be the resonation of your heart as well. Well, the title of this morning's message, so fitting for here on Resurrection Sunday, is this, Dead to Sin, Alive to God. And it's taken from Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 11. Romans 6, verses 3 to 11. And if you do not have a Bible with you, hey, hey, we want to put one in your hand, okay? The Bible's a big deal around here, and so we want to make sure that you have one in front of you to be able to follow along with. So our ushers are coming forward right now. And if you do not have one, then please raise up your hand nice and high so that we can put a copy of God's Word in front of you. You're going to want a copy to track with what's going on this morning. And if you do not have a copy of God's Word at home, then we want to give that to you as a free gift for you so you can continue to meet with the Lord each day on your own. Romans chapter 6 verses 3 to 11. Dead to sin, alive to God. That is the message of Easter. That is the greatest truth of all time. But here's the reality while you're turning there is this. Whether we realize it or not, loved ones, whether we realize it or not, there is a battle of good versus evil raging all around us and that each of us here is engaged in. Whether we want to admit it or not, you cannot escape it. I can't escape it. It is one where literally life and death, do we think about this? We don't like to think about this. But the truth is, it is one where literally life and death are hanging in the balance and there is on, only, only one way to be victorious in it. There's only one way. 
There is no middle ground, and we will all end up, here's the reality, you and I, all of us, are all going to end up on one side or the other. Can't escape it. It's confronting us. And the worst part is, loved ones, on our own, we are completely powerless to do anything about it. We can't fight our own fight. We will lose. And this is, you say, what's this battle all about? This is the battle against sin in our lives. Sin being any disobedience to God's commands that we live out in our lives. It's the battle against sin, and the results can be fatal without a Savior. And at Easter, we remember the very moment that this battle, the very moment that this battle of good versus evil came to a head over 2,000 years ago, whereby Jesus Christ defeated the power of sin and death for all time by dying on the cross for our sins and three days later was resurrected from the grave. It was at this moment of his resurrection, this moment right here we're looking at today, this moment of his resurrection that the power of sin and death was destroyed for all of those who would, by faith, by faith, turn from their sin and be, here's a key word for today, and be united with him as their savior through a personal relationship with him. In fact, this moment of the resurrection is so important. You'll see what E.M. Bounds, wonderful man of prayer, godly man of prayer, he says it this way, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was necessary to establish the truth of his mission and put the stamp of the all-conquering power on his gospel. That's awesome. It put the stamp of the all-conquering power on his gospel. And here in Romans 6, we see three truths that we must embrace as to why the only hope for this life is to be united to Christ and how we can live in the victorious power of the resurrection. How we can live in the victorious power of the resurrection. Well, first is this. You must be united to Christ. Number one, to receive a new life in him. To receive a new life in him. Look at verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. You see here that term, baptism, what's baptism all about? That is the powerful picture of a life that has been united with Christ. And I made mention in the announcements today that in two weeks from now, you're going to see a number of people, praise the Lord by his grace, that are going to publicly declare their faith in Jesus Christ through the external symbol of baptism in the tank. But what Paul is speaking of here, and what the Greek term baptism means, is this, to immerse baptizo, to immerse. And as such, the picture Paul's talking about here is that when we are united or baptized into Christ, his life, the life, get this, this is mind-blowing, his life, the life of Jesus Christ, then becomes immersed or united with us and our life with his. The King of Kings, Lord of Lords, his life becomes immersed and united with ours. By being baptized into his death, into Christ. Well, you say, well, wait, how does this, like, this is glorious doctrine. This is glorious truth right here. How does this even happen? How is this even possible? Well, Paul tells us. 
Look at 3b. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, here it happens first, were baptized into his death? This is Good Friday. We're baptized into his death. The death Paul is speaking of here is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for us, whereby he paid the full penalty for our sin and took all of the punishment upon himself that you and I deserved as sinners who were separated from God. Without a savior, we are separated from God. That's why as brutal as Good Friday is, that's why we can say it's a Good Friday. And as such, we are baptized into Christ's death by repenting or turning away from our sin and putting our faith in him as our Lord and Savior alone. And this is what happens. This is what happens. when We confess our sins to Christ and surrender our lives to him. He now puts to death our old lives that were marked with sin, rebellion, and hatred towards him as his enemies and raises us up from our old dead lives and gives us a brand new life in him this is the glorious news of the gospel this is why there is no greater truth and has never been a greater truth in all time a new life newness of life in jesus christ and the picture of death paul is speaking of here represents you know what you know why death why baptized into his death because it represents what does death represent the finality The finality of our old life, which was ruled by sin, and it has now been put to death with him on the cross. The old has gone, and the new has come. The enemy of God destroyed, crucified with Christ. The child of God born into a new life with him, at peace with him. That's Easter. That's the glorious truth. So it first starts off with a a crucifying of our old selves, a baptized or immersing in Christ's death, but then look what happens next. He doesn't stop there. Love this. Ready? Look at verse 4. Verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism. There's the death we just talked about, into death, in order that, just as Christ was Raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. You know what the Greek term there for that newness of life is? It means this, fresh, brand new, having a new nature, a new character. It literally means to live and have been given a brand new life in Jesus Christ. And just as sin, evil, and rebellion describes our old lives, Now forgiveness, righteousness in Christ described our new one. Sin, hatred, rebellion. But because of Jesus Christ and being baptized with him, immersed into his death by confessing our sin and receiving him as our Lord and Savior, he no longer looks at us as enemies, but with righteousness and holiness and his amazing grace that we did not deserve. This is the truth of the gospel. I love Ephesians 4.24. It says this, And put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. This, loved ones, is the beautiful exchange. The beautiful exchange. God just didn't give us a tune-up with this. 
Okay, it's like you take your car into the shop to get it fixed. He's just not giving you a little tune-up and handing you back the same car. He's exchanging that car for a new one. He's exchanging our old life, crucifying our old life for a new one that is in him. He's not just giving a facelift. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me this morning. My life before Christ, so humbled by the grace of the gospel. And look at what he goes on to say in verse 5. For if we, that is you and I, have been united with him, Jesus, in a death like this, we shall certainly, that's a strong word, certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. See, Paul goes on to state here that because we have been baptized or united in Christ's death, whereby our old sinful nature has been put to death, Christ now gives us a brand new life where the old person is literally gone and died. Do you ever think about that? The old person is who you used to be. I'm not who I used to be. Yeah, because that guy's dead. That guy's dead in Jesus Christ. And yet the new one is alive in Jesus Christ. That is phenomenal. The old person's literally gone and has died. And a new person with a new nature, a Christ-like nature, has come. That is awesome. That is justification in Jesus Christ. That is the righteousness of Christ. That when God looks at you and me... Though while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Enemies separated from him. He now looks at us and sees the beautiful righteousness of his son over us. That's magnificent. That is life changing. Have we lost the awe of that this morning? We have been spiritually resurrected into a new life of holiness and righteousness in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. You'll see it on the screen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Hey, 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 has anyone in this room ever thought like, gee, I wish I could go back and do things over again? Ever thought that? Maybe just me, just me. Guess what? In Jesus Christ, it's a new day. Amen? It's a new day in Jesus Christ. The old has passed away and the new has come. The new has come. And you say, well, what, is, what do you mean the old's passed away? What's this exchange you're talking about? Here, here, I'll give you a few examples. Get your pens ready. Our sin, he exchanges for his righteousness. An exchange of our sin for his righteousness. His power for our weakness. His power for our weakness. We're going to unpack that in just a little bit. Our shame for his glory. Are you kidding me? Our shame for his glory. Our rejection of him for his acceptance of us. Our rejection of him for his acceptance, our death for his life, our hatred, get this, don't let this just wash over you this morning, hear this, our hatred for his holiness, our hatred for his holiness, Vance Havner, the great evangelist, he said this. He said, we may never be martyrs, but we can die to self, to sin, to the world, to our plans and ambitions. 
That is the significance of baptism. We died with Christ and rose to new life. Staggering. See, having a new life in Christ means that we've been made a new creation. Literally, a new creation. No facelift. New creation. We've been given a new heart and now have the glorious privilege and freedom of... You know what one of the most glorious things about this is? Besides the fact of everything that I've just mentioned. Here's the cool thing. We now have the glorious privilege and freedom of living for someone and something bigger than ourselves. We can live for someone and something bigger than ourselves. Being baptized into and united with Christ, we have literally been made new people from the inside out. And we are constantly, day by day, through his power at work in us, being transformed more into his image with his power flowing in and through us. I love how Galatians 2.20 puts this. You'll see it on the screen. It says this, I have been, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. There it is. The death of Jesus Christ. Baptized into his death. I've been crucified with him. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Someone in this room needs to hear this this morning. God loved you and gave himself up for you. He took you, as we talked about on Good Friday, while you were the least desirable by anyone else's terms. And he's like, I love you and I gave myself up for you. When you're weak and helpless and can't do anything yourself, he goes, I got you. I know your past. I know what you're doing right now. And I love you and gave myself up for you. How will you respond to that? Staggering truth. Glorious truth. This is the start. This new life in Christ is the start of where everything else in living out a new life in Christ flows from. Nothing else can happen if this piece is missing. Being crucified with Christ. So my question is this before we move on. Have you been made new in Jesus Christ? Simple question eternal implication. Have you been made new in Jesus Christ? Have you confessed him as your Lord and Savior? Or are you still living a life that is governed by sin and separated from him? And for those of us who have made that decision and are followers of Christ, my question is this, and I was um, stirred up by this this week in preparation. If you have surrendered your life, does your life give evidence of a new life in Christ? Does mine? Does our lives give evidence of new life in Christ? Or are we still living in the same patterns of sin that we lived in before? Struggling with the same stuff we struggled with before. The same amount. Okay, so let's drill down a little bit deeper on this. And say it this way. What are those one or two areas that you now, you know you're not walking in your new life in Christ in? What are those two things? Just take a moment and write them down. What are the two areas, one or two things, that you know right now, I'm not walking in a new life in Jesus Christ. I'm still a slave to sin in that area. I'm a slave to my own agenda in that. I haven't given that to the Lord. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in the language that you use. 
Maybe it's how you spend your money. Maybe it's the priorities. Our agendas are the greatest indication of what our priorities are, aren't they? So much. So much. Just write them down. And then right there, just confess them to the Lord. See, not only must we be united to Christ to have a new life in him, but from this new life now, this is the starting piece, from this new life now, we see we must also be united to him because once we have a new life in Christ, we are now set free from sin. This is good. Everyone say good news. Yeah, good news. Here we go. Verses 6 and 7. It says this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. That's encouraging today. Body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You see that? The Greek word there for old self, you know what that means? It means worn out or useless. Our old self, worn out, useless for anything good. Useless to try to save ourselves. Well, if I just do some good things, sure enough, God is going to look upon me with some favor. It doesn't work like that. We cannot save ourselves in that worn out. This is our life before being united with Christ. And i got to tell you, this isn't a message that's popular in our culture. You can do it. You've got what it takes. This isn't a message that's popular these days. But it's true. It's absolute truth. And there, he says, we know that our old self was crucified. That term crucified, you hear that a lot around Easter? Here's what it means. To be destroyed. To be destroyed or brought to nothing as Christ took our sin upon himself on the cross. And as such, our sin no longer characterizes us or defines us. That is true freedom. Our sin no longer characterizes us or defines us. And you see that? We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin, that's our old self, might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be, there's that word, enslaved. Do you know what enslaved means? It means to be in service to or to obey. Now my kids might have something to say about that. <laughs> but it means to be in service to or to obey. Without being united to Christ, loved ones, hear this. This is the message. This is the greatest message of all time and the truth, the one truth that is the most important truth in this world, and it is this. Without being united to Christ and having a new life in him, you are a slave to your sin. You are not its master. You are not its master. We can think, oh, I'll just dabble in it over here and it won't have impact. Uh Uh-uh, it doesn't work like that. Sin is designed to destroy you and me. You are a slave to it without being united to Christ. You are not its master. It will not come under your control. You are, in fact, under its. And I wish I could somehow sugarcoat that. I just can't. And be a faithful minister of the gospel. It literally, our sin literally has control over every part of you and it is bent on getting you to rebel against the Lord. Everything it commands you to do, everything it influences you with is against the Lord. 
and it only takes you farther from him. That's why this is a battle. A battle that was waged at the cross and through an empty tomb, and now a battle that's ongoing for the lives of people all over this world, including in this room right now. We are a slave to that without being united to Christ. But, but, here's the good news. Ready? Verse 7. I love how God's word speaks to us. Verse 7. For one who has died, that is, in Christ, crucified with him, has been set free from sin. That word set free, though, that term set free, by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, we are completely forgiven of every sin we have ever done or ever will do, past, present, future. How awesome is that? Every sin we have ever done or will do and are justified before God and brought into a right relationship with him. That when God looks at you and me, if we are united with Christ, he does not see us as our old sinful nature was. He sees us in the newness of life that we have in Jesus Christ and he sees us the righteousness and holiness of his perfect son whose blood has covered us. That's good news. And as such, sin is defeated for all time. And now we walk not as slaves to our sin, giving in to its every beckoning, but in the power of the one now, Jesus Christ, who has brought us victory over them. We walk in that power and not as slaves to, to our sin. We no longer have to live in the same sinful patterns that we once did and were controlled by. And I don't care what the devil tries to tell you. I don't care what the world tries to tell you. I'm here to tell you what Jesus tells you. And he says there is always hope because it's a new day in Christ. Amen? And when that devil presses in on you and says, look at you, you think you're going to make an impact? You think Christ is going to take you? You think Christ is going to save you? You think he wants something with you? And he pounds you with that guilt and he pounds you with the condemnation. Look at you, man. You're a mess. In Jesus Christ, when we are united with him, we can say right back, yeah, I am a mess. But isn't it amazing what grace does in your face, Satan? That's the story of my life. In your face. I'm united to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm his son. Galatians 5.1 says this. It is for freedom. Freedom from that sin. Freedom from the bondage. Freedom from the condemnation that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. It's a battle. we got to stand firm. We're not going on to the battlefield unprepared. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't go back to the same patterns of sin. In Christ, they no longer have power over you. That person who would have given in to those is dead. And the person who overcame them is alive in you, in me. I love how it was stated, I read this week, one commentator said, I was baptized into Christ. I died when he died. Sin's power over me has been broken in Jesus' name. Amen? Sin's power over me has been broken in Jesus' name. This is the power of Christ's death and resurrection. And we live in a world that says loud and clear, you are what you do. Do you ever notice that? We live in a world that sends a message, you are what you do. 
If you perform really well at something, you're good at it. We identify you by, ever notice the question? I try to avoid this. So if I, you know, meeting you for the first time, make sure I never ask this of you. It is this. Um, We always say, so what do you do? Because so much of our world is defined by what you do. You are who or what you do. Ever, ever done this? Have you ever tried this? So that if you ever want to get full stop in the grocery store, do one of these. One comes up and says, so uh, what do you do? And uh, I tell them, and they're like, oh, so who, who are you? I just say, I'm, I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God, king of kings, lord of lords. And they're like, <laughs> and they pull one of these. And I'm like, you want to talk about it? <laughs> like, that's the way it works. But that's true. That's absolutely true. You know what? When someone says, who are you? It's not, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm a son of God. That's my identity in Jesus Christ, who he says I am. Not who this world, not a label the world tries to slap on me. Hey, 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 stay-at-home moms. Don't ever say you don't work. Don't let the world feed you that line. You're a daughter of the king of kings. You're precious in his eyes. Don't listen to those lies. That's not who you are. This world says it's who he says we are. And the devil loves to say these things. You just keep, keep in that condemnation, keep in that guilt, and go crawl back into your little hole in fear. You just go crawl back into your little hole so that you can continue to be paralyzed by those things. Oh, if anyone knew what I was engaged in before, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone, you just keep crawling back into that hole. Go ahead. Do that. Being fearful of what could happen if you brought them before the Lord, that's slavery. Bondage. What will people say? What will they? It's bondage. It's what who God? What God says? And He says, "I love you with an everlasting love." Romans chapter eight, verse one. One of my favorite passages in Scripture. It says this: "There is therefore now no." Everyone say no. No, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Time to step out of the guilt, loved ones. Time to step out of the fear. Time to step out of it into freedom. Breathe the free air that is ours purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, the enemy will always say to you, you are what you do. But in Christ, God says, you are who I say you are. And I say you are no longer a slave. Amen? This is the power of being united with Christ through his resurrection. So how about you? Question, before we move on to our last point. How about you? How about me? This is a battle I face every day. I don't think this battle ever goes away just because you become a Christian. It's a fight to stand firm and not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Are you walking in the freedom of being united with Christ? Simple question. Life-changing. Are you walking in the freedom of being united with Christ? 
What sins are you still hanging on to and letting them define who you are? What patterns of behavior? Maybe for some of us, it's past hurts that you've done to others or that have been done to you. Or patterns of sin you keep going back to. Or maybe the, the trying to please men, which is a fear of man that says, I have to look good and perform a certain way. I have to get a certain job or a certain status. That's slavery, guys. Christ has taken that. And he says, you are who I say you are if you are united with me. Get out of that rat race. Get out of the bondage. Walk in freedom. But I do have to make something clear with this. I have to quantify that with this. Walking in the power of Christ doesn't mean that we will never struggle with sin or have this perfect life on this side of eternity. I don't want you to have the picture of, well, I'll become a Christian, everything becomes roses. You know, you guys talk about like nothing's ever wrong, you're totally ignorant. Nah, it's still a battle. Still a battle. Just because in Christ we're no longer enslaved to our sin doesn't mean sin still won't try to get our attention. Just because in Christ we're no longer enslaved to our sin doesn't mean it still won't try to get our attention. It is a lifelong battle until we get to heaven when every tear, every tear will be wiped away in the presence of our Savior. However, being united with Christ means that because of his power in us, we have been given victory over that sin are no longer a slave to it and can now walk in freedom over it as we continue to trust him to be with us through it. And you say, well, wait a second, be with us. What does that mean? What are you talking about? He's going to trust and be with us. How do we know that he will be with us? Love God's word. Let's go back to the text because of what Paul says next. You must be united with Christ to have a new life in him. That's where everything starts. To be Set free from your sin as well. And here's the glorious truth of point three, and it is this. To live with God's presence for his glory. This is what being united with Christ gives us. Look at verse 8 to 11. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know, that's the imperative, we know That Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. Staggering. Verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Since our old selves have been crucified with Christ... And we have been raised with Christ through his resurrection by putting our faith and trust in him alone. We now can live together with him because his life, get this, this staggering picture. His life is now lived through us and is focused on making us more into his image. His life is now lived. The life of Jesus Christ, the perfect, spotless son of God, is now lived through us. And changing us by his Holy Spirit more into his image. Our Philippians 3 series, which kicks off next week, is all about that. God's glory in the life of the believer. Verse by verse, word by word. That's where we're diving into. That is beautiful truth. And this means that his presence, God, this, here it is, precious. His presence will be with us at all times. All times. 
no matter what we're facing or how hard the struggle with sin is that we are engaged in, we will also live with him. And that's a picture of our life with Christ now and his presence with us, his very life living in us. But it's also a picture of something greater. Did you get it? Did you get it? It's also a picture of what's coming. We will live with him. It just doesn't mean that his presence will be with us now, as if that's not amazing enough. But it also gives us a glimpse of the time that we will live with him for eternity to share in his glory with him. That's the prize. But live in this text for a moment. Verse 8. You might be saying right now, as I was at one time, you may be saying right now, you say that Christ's death and resurrection was sufficient to cover all my sin. Okay? You say, Ray, that it was sufficient to cover all my sins. But if you only knew the struggles that I'm having and what I'm engaged in right now, you wouldn't be saying that. He will be with me. He wants to be with me through this. I'm actually feeling very alone in this right now. And I don't, here, to top it off, I feel like I don't even have any strength. I don't have any strength to go anymore. What do you mean Christ is going to be with me? I've been going through all of this. I'm engaged in all of this right now. Do you think he really cares about what I'm going through? And the answer, loved ones, is found in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. And this was... A last-minute edition this morning, so you will not see a slide on this, but here it is. Let me read it over you and let this truth sink in. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest, that is Jesus Christ, who is unable, ready? Who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. You say, how could the Son of God go through what I'm going through? just told us. I went through that. I was tempted that way. I fought that battle. And I took it on Calvary, on the cross for you. So if you're united with me, I have the strength and the power and the freedom for you to walk through it. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect... Yeah, but what about the every respect? But what about every respect? Every respect has been tempted as we are. Tempted with lust. Jesus hung out with prostitutes. Tempted with finances. Tempted with pride. The devil tempted him in Matthew 4 with that. In every way. Every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. He didn't give in once. Let us then, verse 16, in response to this, let us then with confidence, see that? Confidence. Draw near to the throne of grace. That's the presence of God. With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. What is your time of need today? 
And we see here, we say, okay, so I draw near, I have Christ's presence with me. He's living his life through me. I can draw to the throne of grace with confidence to receive the help. What is this help? What is this strength that God's presence gives us? Praise the Lord, his word tells us right here in Romans 6. Four strengths God's presence gives us. You'll see these on the screen. Four strengths that God's presence gives us. Number one, verse 9a, his peace. His peace. Back to Romans 6, verse 9. We know, see that? That's a certainty. That terminology is, this is certain. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. There's peace in that. 100% certainty that Christ's death on the cross and resurrection from the grave conquered death for all time and was sufficient to cover all sins and will never need to be done again. Christ didn't go to the cross saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover this amount of sin. Whoops, I didn't know you'd be engaged in that. Uh, how does this work now? Oh, Christ's death was sufficient to cover all sins. The ones that you are aware of and I am aware of in our lives and the ones that we don't even know are going to be coming and we're going to be tempted with. It is sufficient for all time. He didn't miss any. And you say, well, yeah, but did he really know I would be here? Yeah, he created you. He knew you were going to be here. He defeated all sin for all people, for all time. That's amazing. Amen? All sin for all people for all time once. And there's peace in that. Knowing when you're tempted with that, when you're going through that trial, if you are united to Jesus Christ, there's such peace in knowing that Christ conquered what I'm being tempted with right now. And he's ready to give his presence and his power to go through it. That I don't have to give in to this anymore. I don't have to be a slave to it anymore. I don't have to be in bondage to it anymore. My past does not define who I am because I am united to Jesus Christ. This is the gift of his presence. It gives us the peace to know, okay, this happened today. Truth be told, go figure, Easter weekend, our basement flooded yesterday. Was it yesterday? Two days ago? Oh, man. I gotta tell you, I was getting tempted to lose my patience pretty quick. And I didn't do so well. But then in the gracious love of our, of our father, he just said, son, I took that too. I was tempted with that. I took it. Repent. Come back. Let's keep going. I'm with you. Such freedom. His peace he gives us to go through the trial. We live in a world that is desperate for peace. And he's like, I'm right here because he is peace. I'm right here. Are you united to me? Four strengths God's presence gives us. Number one is peace. Number two, his power. Look at the back half of verse nine. We know that Christ being raised from the dead, he will never die again. There's the peace. I covered it once for all. B, death no longer has dominion over him. See, the power of Christ through his death and resurrection defeated the greatest outcome that sin could ever have in this world. Death. That's the greatest outcome sin could ever have. That's where everything that sin is bent on is driving you and I towards. Death. Trying to keep us away from Christ. Why? Because Christ is life. And so sin is pushing us further and further. And this is the greatest punishment in this world that sin can take us to is death. Separation from God. And notice what it says in the text. Death no longer has dominion over him. Christ's like, I got that. I got that. This game's over. 
I got that. You don't have to be afraid. Oh, death, oh, death, where's your sting? Hey, did you love singing that this morning? I'm praise the king. Oh, grave, hey, hey, where's your victory? I'm in Jesus Christ. You have no hold on, on me anymore because he has dominion over you. Awesome. And as such, he promises to give us his power in each situation or struggle you're facing. You don't have to strive anymore on your own strength. Four strengths that God's presence gives us. Number one is peace. Two, his power. And number three, here it is, his passion. His passion. Look at verse 10. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. See that term there, he lives to God. It means when we are united with Christ, God's presence lives in us. And we are no longer living for our own glory. Christ's passion is the glory of God. The Holy Spirit in us, his passion is to see Jesus Christ glorified in our lives. And as such, with Christ's presence living in us, he gives us his passion to live for his glory and not our own. We are passionate for the glory of God and everything we do goes towards this. When we're parenting our kids, when we're sitting in a classroom taking a, a, an exam, when we're going to our job, it's no longer about impressing people. It's about going for the glory of God. And as, as such, when God's glory is on the agenda, it's never just another day. There is no mundane when God's glory is on your agenda. Guaranteed. Take that to the bank. Guaranteed. There is no mundane when his glory is on the agenda. And his son is so fired up inside of us through the Holy Spirit to see himself passionately lifted up and exalted. And I pray that as we sing our last song in a few moments, oh, that would be the anthem of your heart, the exaltation of Jesus Christ in you and through you. Four strengths God's presence gives us, his peace, his power, his passion, and lastly is this, loved ones, his perseverance. Perseverance, verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. That term consider there means have an absolute confidence. That's what it means. Consider it. Consider it done. It is an absolute confidence in what we know to be true that God is with us and we are dead to sin. You must consider yourself. You ever wake up and be like, have you ever thought this? Instead of going to check your phone right away, just say, I am dead to sin and alive to God right now. How much would that change the trajectory of your day? It's real hard to stay in a bad mood. I'm dead to sin and alive to God. <laughs> I'm not going to fly. Right? It's really hard to stay in a grumpy mood when you realize the truth of this. And to realize that because we can consider this, it gives us the perseverance and the strength of Jesus Christ where all our actions and decisions we make reflect a life that is united to Christ, alive in God, in faith, continues to persevere in his strength for his glory. Philippians 1.6, he who began the work in you will see it through to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the power of the resurrection. That is living in the power of the resurrection. Through Jesus Christ and why we must be united to him, number one, to receive new life in him, number two, to be set free from our sin, and number three, to be able to live with his presence for his glory. So how about you? i leave you with this. How about me today? How will you respond to this? 
How will you respond? Is this just going to be another message? Oh, great. Pastor said a few things. I sang a few. Or is it going to be like, there's only one right answer here. If you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, will you take Christ's invitation to you today to be united to him by repenting of your sin, humbling yourself before him and putting your faith and trust in him alone as your savior? This is where everything starts. And that sin that you're ruled by right now is like, don't do it, don't do it. Pride, pride, pride. What? Humble yourself. You don't need a savior. I guarantee one day you and I are both gonna recognize very completely how much we need a savior. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. The Bible says, let today be the day of your salvation. And believers, believers, if you've confessed Christ as your Savior, hey, 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 challenge. Are you living out a united life in Christ that shows you are dead to sin and alive to God? What area or areas is he prompting you right now to surrender to him so you can start living out the power of the resurrection in that? The fear, the anxiety, the doubt, the worry, the unbelief, the impatience, all of it. He has gone to the grave, conquered death, and risen indeed for this. Let's pray. Father, this this is beautiful truth. This is life-saving and life-changing truth. And we can fight it. Our pride will fight against it. Our sinful flesh will rail against it. But at the end of the day, we still have a choice to make. Live in victory and freedom or stay in slavery. Lord, I thank you for your presence here right now. And I pray in Jesus' name that as your word has gone forth, your spirit would continue to press it into our hearts if we are willing to be taught by it as we come under it. And God, you would be exposing areas, God, that we're not living out a life that is dead to sin and alive to God. And so, Father, would you do a healing work, a saving work, a sanctifying work right now. Do it in my life, Lord, even as preaching, just having things come up that I need to confess before you. Thank you for your spirit that you love us so much, that you sent your son to die for us, to pay the penalty for all of our sins once for all, and now have dominion over death. Where is your sting, death? And where is your victory, grave? We're in Jesus Christ, united to him by his blood. Oh, Lord, may we live lives that bear the fruit of that for eternity. Come and meet with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.